You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Y'all ready? I was, uh, y'all, I've stretched this series out. It was supposed to be three parts. Now it's definitely going through Halloween. Because I just like, I keep hitting it. I keep hitting it and I'm preaching to myself. So just know when you hear some craziness that I struggle with, it's because I'm preaching to myself. Most every message I do is. And um, I just started thinking a few weeks back, or a few months back, this message hit me and I realized, wow. Sometimes going deep, sometimes in your life, God gives you opportunities because going deep means getting back to some things and some priorities that you got away from. We're always looking for new, new, new. We want God to do something new, new, new. Sometimes God going deep in him and in his love and plans for you means getting back to some things that you got away from. Oh, it does. Matter of fact, I'm going to drop three things on you right now. It's in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, an usher will bring it to you. You can put your hand in the air if you didn't get one coming in. We're writing notes. Um, you can, we can write it down, remember, and do something with it. I got three things right off the top before we jump into these things. One, here it is. Uh, what happened isn't on you. Whatever that is, what, what happened isn't on you. Even if it was on you, even if it was because of you, it is no longer on you. And God is calling you to move and move forward. Does not matter what it is. I don't have to know what it is. It's not on you anymore. What happened isn't on you. Two, what's happening is on you. What's happening? The patterns in your life that you continue to repeat that are causing your life to be a big rerun. The bad habits, the bad relationships, the way you spend your money, the situations you either get stuck in or you, God gets you out of them and you end up right back into them. Uh, the way you run your family, the, the house you live in with strife, the things that are consistently crazy and chaotic in your life, that is on you. What happened isn't on you. How you handled it and what's happening now and how you continue to handle it is very much on you. And three, it's a big one. It's happening in your heart. Because of the craziness of our our world right now, we like to focus on everybody else and the chaos around us. What's going on in your life that needs healing, it's not out there. We like to focus out there. We like to to blame leaders. We like to blame other people. We like to shift blame. We like to get the focus on the world and the country and the church and another church. Listen, what's happening, it's in your heart. It's in our heart. And the only way to heal is for healing to happen in your heart because what Jesus said is peace I give you. Doesn't matter what's going on around you, when you find healing within you, that's when it's going to happen. And there's some things we're going to see today that going deep means getting back to some things that you got away from and you've lost yourself in doing so. Matter of fact, tell somebody right now, I'm coming back today. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm coming back today. Online, if you're watching live with me, drop a comment. Say, I'm coming back. There's some things in your life that you are not going to heal. You are going to continue to grow, and you're going to grow hard and callous. You can love Jesus, show up to church every week, but you are going to lose some of the best parts to yourself because God is saying it's time for you to get back to some things that made you who you are in the best ways. We're always praying for new, but there's some things that you should have never gotten away from. Tell somebody I'm coming back today. Here's my title. I'm going to preach it, I'm going to pour my heart out, and I'm going to give you the sweaty shirt to prove it. Depth is your decision. Depth is 
your decision. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah declared that. But the joy of the Lord will not be your strength until you choose it to be your strength. Joy is your decision. Blessing and promise, the promise of God, the presence of God, the peace of God, the power of God, whatever God, every good thing that God has for you, the gifts and the abilities he's put in your life, the things he's called you to do, the blessings that are right in front of you that you're blinded to, they are your choice. Death is your decision. Wholeness and healing are your decision. They are your decision. There are a lot of things that are going to happen around us, but healing has to happen within us or it doesn't even matter. Tell somebody it's my decision. It is your decision, y'all. It is your decision, and we're about to jump into this thing. Matter of fact, will you lift your hands right now? Say this with me. Uh, Say, Lord, open my heart as we open your word. Say it one more time. Say, open my heart as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Somebody was quick on the draw with silence and that thing. Thank you. I'm proactive. I got mine done. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. Next week, I'm going to be late on it. Now, y'all going to laugh at me because I'm going to be a hypocrite. Because it will happen. ADD is a terrible thing. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. I'm going to talk about it for a second, babe. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. We're going to look at the words that Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesian church. Mind you, we've been praying that prayer we prayed earlier. Uh, Ephesus was the church that Paul wrote that prayer to. These are the words of Jesus to that church. What you need to know about Ephesus, we see the words and we see scriptures, but we don't know much about them. The, The city of Ephesus was a huge city. It was a huge city. Matter of fact, it was a famous city. It still is. Uh, the Temple of Diana was located in uh, Ephesus, which if you'll look, it was regarded as one of the seven wonders of the world. I'm not going into the temple. It's crazy. You can look at it. You can read about it. That was Ephesus. Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, Paul planted. He started that church after Paul converted to Jesus, found Jesus. Okay, it was a major city. God was moving in this city. God was doing amazing things to the church, at, uh, the Ephesian church. This was a big city. Y'all know about big cities, right? Big problems, a lot of crazy stuff going on. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on. God was doing crazy moves. It was good and bad. I love the Bible. There's nothing new. Same for your situation, same for your family, same for Catalyst Church, same for the church, same for America, same for the world. There's always, we like to be scared or we like to be overly optimistic. There are problems in every part of our life and there are promises and we choose every day what part we're going to play in them. If we're going to be a part of it, the good. Tell somebody, it's my decision. That was, if, that was the Ephesians. An amazing big city, big church, God's moving. Boom. Revelation chapter 2, we pick up in verse 2. Jesus says this, I know all the things you do. Same for us. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. He's blowing them up right here. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. They, may, they hit some things head on, made hard decisions. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Paul, I mean, Connor, Paul, Connor preached about uh, perseverance last week. They did it. 
Jesus says, you guys are faithful. You guys have fought. You guys have been loyal. You've, you've hit things head on. You've been through some hard times because there's a lot of craziness going on in the church in Ephesians. You guys have been awesome. You have been obedient. You have stuck with me. You've, made, you've hit things head on, made hard decisions. You've been through some heartbreaking times. And I pray you were good. He was telling them, and we know in history, the Ephesian church was solid. Paul wrote the letter from prison to the Ephesians and he wasn't dealing with a lot of issues like nearly what Philippi was dealing with. The Ephesians were solid, loyal, obedient. Verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. In other words, you got a lot of good going on. You've done a lot of good, but this one thing right here I'm about to talk about, you need to get your crap together. And if you don't, it's going to cripple what I'm doing in your life. I'm going to do But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look at how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do. Read that with me. The works you did at first. Get back to the things you got away from, the priorities, the perspectives. Get back to the passion you had for life. Get back to the hope before you got hard because you went through a lot of tough seasons and let anxiety and anger cripple you. Get back to the things you did at first. Ephesus, Catalyst, America, Carrollton. If you don't repent, get back to it. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I read in history, that's what he's talking about with the conflict. It's a lot of history. Nicolaitans were pretty rough, brutal, archaic people that they had to separate themselves from. It was ugly, heartbreaking. They probably lost a lot of people and maybe lost some lives because it was crazy. And he says, you have this against, you have this for you. You're passionate. You're strong. You persevere. And then he says this, if you did this, here's what he's saying. Anyone, this is to you and me every day, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what, is, what, what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give, check this out, fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. He said right now, if you will choose to heal and to not be so hard, if you will choose to love me and love others like you did at first, I will give you strength, sustenance, Power, provision straight from heaven, fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He's talking about supernatural strength. I will, I will handle your situation in ways you can never handle it. But you got to get back to some things that your heart got away from. He says, I will blow your mind, but you got to get back to some things, Ephesus. You've been faithful, but you've gotten hard. You've been through some tough things, but it has made you, you've lost your tenderness. It's taken your tenderness. God's that you're an amazing person, but you've let yourself get, you've let, you've gotten away from some things. See, Ephesus, listen to me. This is in context, y'all. You got to study it in context. Ephesus was faithful. This verse is not about complacency like I've even preached it over the years. I read this verse about three months ago and bawled and then went and read it, read it to Angie. I was like, I've taught this. I've missed this. They were committed. They were obedient. They were faithful, man. God was moving. It had nothing to do with their commitment. It had to do with their compassion. They had grown callous. 
because of all the conflict and the things that they've been through. Just like we had the last 18 months with COVID. All the things you went through in your family. They got away from some things because they were committed. They loved Jesus, but they grew callous and hard and skeptical and cynical. And it was sin and it was stealing from them. And it was squelching their love for God and love for other people. Look in the mirror, Catalyst. I have to. Man, I'm telling you, I read it in the tech room, this scripture. I was like, baby, I'm sorry. Like, we've got to get back to some things we got away from. I, not we, I. Because we always like to say we when we don't want to deal with I. And and he says, man, you've gotten away from it. Look, y'all, Ephesus was faithful. You read your Bible, man. You, you, you make it look good on Facebook. You make it look good on Instagram. They got better filters. We love filters. We like to hide the wrinkles. Why? You gotten away from some things. You gotten callous. Man, wait, I'm telling you, you can talk a good game. You can make it look good. I've seen some of the most silver-tongued businessmen just like I have preachers. You can talk a good game. The content that is coming out of your mouth is the same, but you are not the same. You love Jesus, but you've gotten away from some things that Jesus is saying get back to because you're not going to find healing that way. And it's your choice. You better get back to it. You want to go deep? Get back to some things. We're always talking about growing and moving forward. Well, sometimes you need to step back, pick some habits and some mindsets and some, th- and some perspectives back up before you move forward or you're going to move forward. And Jesus says, I'm going to take your lampstand from you. I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to take it from you. Notice that the tra- this, I didn't read the translation, but it doesn't say you lost it. He said you left it. Your decision. We, pre- we teach our kids this. We think it doesn't apply to us. We teach our kids this. We say from a young age, we try to teach them, uh, you choose blessings or consequences. Heard that for years. Same for you, adults. It doesn't change. Different decisions, same principles. It's your decision. It's my decision. Listen, Ephesus had it going on. God was moving in Ephesus. That big city was getting reached. They were anointed. I've seen some anointed people that are some of the most angry, insecure people. I've been one and had to repent. And I can tell you, I'm not. I'm not. But I've been in seasons where I've read scriptures like this a few months ago, and I'm like, man, I love Jesus more than ever, but I'm not as, I'm not as tender, and I don't really handle myself the way I used to. And it's not easy to admit, but you don't find healing in depth as your decision. He says you left it, you didn't lose it. You stop choosing it. Ephesus had it all. You can have it all. Somebody come in here today and I know it. Somebody's online like, man, this man preaches like everybody's life is a struggle. I'm in a good season. Ephesus was too. Oh, they were killing it. And I'm telling you, you can have it all. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if, you can have it all. If I speak all the languages of earth and angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh, I hear a lot of cymbals and gongs on social media right now. 
I go in your house and hear the way you talk to everybody. I go to your job and hear the way you backbite the boss when they're not in the room, regardless of if they're right or wrong. You can be dead right in the, in the, in the situation and absolutely wrong in the way you handle it. He says, if I don't have love, I'm a gong or a cymbal. Well, it's my timeline where you're gonging and, and beating drums on it. You ain't making points. You're causing chaos. And it starts right here. The healing is here. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret, secret plans and possessed all knowledge, Paul says, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Paul says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This church could, this church could grow to 100,000 people. And if we don't truly do what he's saying Ephesus needs to get back to in our own lives, not talking about me, you, me, I, if we don't get back to it every single day, if we get away from it and don't get back to it, it is nothing. The love of God needs to change you first. Healing happens in you first. Wholeness happens in you and depth is your decision. And there's some things that you've gotten away from that you need to get back to and you need to get back to now. Jesus is stressing urgency right here. This isn't something you need to pray about. This is something right in this moment you need to obey God and you need to start moving toward. Listen to me. This type of bitterness, this type of callousness and hardness, it doesn't even mean you're like out to get everybody. You're just not as loving as you once were. It doesn't happen overnight. Just like healing doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't. It happens over time. So it's a slow fade. Such a slow fade that when, you, when people challenge you about it, you're like, no, I'm fine. I'm the, I'm the same as I've always been. No, you're not. You're just blinded to it because it doesn't happen quickly. It happens as you step by step get so far away from, what, from the love and the things that were working in your life. You get away from it and you're so far removed from it slowly. You don't even see it. Your love for people, your love for God is squelched. And you know why that is? It's because your love for yourself is squelched. How can you receive the, the God's perspective when you don't even believe in yourself? How can you believe that God loves you when you don't even believe that you're lovable? You spend your time in your marriage waiting for the bubble to burst. Because you think at the end of the day, if they know me, I'm not going to tell the people I love and do life with. I'm not going to tell them because if they know me, they really won't love me. Or you're arrogant and you're, you're, you're manipulative and you're controlling and you lash out at the people who love you because you think I'm going to push them away before they push me away. You got so far away from it and it may have took a decade, but that's where you are. And he says, Ephesus, you've been faithful. You've done the best you could. You've done right by people as best as you know how. I applaud you for that, but you need to get back to me. You need to love. You need to get back to the person, the person I created you to be because you got away. You got off your path. You didn't do anything. You may have not even done anything like just absolutely cataclysmic, but you one by one, you're callous, step by step. Jesus says, I'll take your lampstand. That means he'll take your light. Your influence. He says, Ephesus, I may, I may be moving right now. If you don't step by step get back to your first love and repent, he said, I will take what I entrusted to you because you were no longer trustworthy with it. I will take the job that you take for granted from you. I will not give you the promotion because you may be working hard, but you were working, 
You were undermining. You were aggressive. You were passive aggressive. You were manipulative. I'll take it from you. I'll take your family that you take for granted because you put them in the back seat as a secondary priority. They deserve better. And if you don't begin to be better, I'm going to find somebody else who will. That ministry and influence that God has given you, those gifts and abilities that you take for granted or you're going through the motions because you want something better or because you've gotten idle or because, honestly, you've gotten callous. I will take it from you. My biggest fear is ever feeling like I'm entitled to this, like I'm good at this. God says, I will take your lampstand, Ephesus, because, I, because nobody's indispensable. Only reason, one day, I'm telling you, if I, ever met, if I ever got my heart off this thing or didn't get back on track, you would find out that I'm not. You just never had to, and I hope you never have to. God wants you. He doesn't have to have you. And he says, hey, you get back to your first love. I will take, he will take the, the income that he gives you that you spend selfishly, the extra income that your budget goes up and your selfish spending goes up. You don't invest in people. You don't give a dime to anybody but things like building bigger houses, bigger cars, spoiling your kids where they don't even have to fight battles that you, need to, that you fought and they need to fight. He says, you get back. You lost your love. That is love. You got callous. You somehow got in default mode. I've been there. We all get there. The point is to get back because I'm going to show you. Jesus said, this is how you get back. He said, you've been faithful, Ephesus. You have been so faithful, but you have missed the point. Love, your power and your, and your, your love and your, the purpose, promise, everything that is enough in this life comes from me. And you've gotten away from your source. Jesus says two things. He says, this is how you get back. This is how you take your light back. This is how you take your light back. This is how you get back to your first love. Number one, he says, remember. Remember, it's right in your notes, remember. He says, look how far you've fallen. Remember. We don't understand this application right here. Remember the person that you were Remember that before you started walking away, before you started being cynical and skeptical and callous, before you started, that we come in church and we worship, but really we don't, uh, we're cynical and skeptical about the abundant life that Jesus promised us. We really don't think it applies to us. We hope it does, but we don't believe it does. Remember that time you had joy and you were optimistic and you actually were enchanted by life. Go look at your children When the holiday season comes, they're not trying to compete and try to live up to other people so they can feel like they're legitimate parents. They're not trying to go get credit card debt. To I'm telling you, they're not. They're enchanted because look at those moments where you were actually uh, excited about the next day, about the next season, about going to work in the morning. It's not your job. It's happening right here. He says, look how far you've fallen. Remember the moments when you weren't so sensitive where when you were, you, where you didn't just pop off and flip out because you're insecure. Remember those moments. Remember when you were grateful for the small things God gave you and not thinking about and obsessing over what was next. You remember in the, in the, in the New Testament, the prodigal son, before he ever went back home to his dad, he wasted everything. He wasted his inheritance. He broke his daddy's heart. But you know what it says? It says he remembered what life was like with his father. 
what you've been doing, what we've been doing as a, as a culture, as a church, church people are as bad as anybody. We just like to project on other people. You've been replaying and reliving and remembering the pain you've been through, the pain you inflicted on others and the mistakes you've made. And that's why your life is a big rerun. You don't have to do things that are, you, what we do is we look for somebody who screwed up, looks worse than our screwed up. You may have everything, but you've lost yourself. And he says, and, and, and it says that he was in the pig pen. And before he ever left the pig pen to go back home to daddy, it says he remembered what life was like with his father. And what you've done is you remember the pain. It doesn't matter what you did or what they did to you. It does not matter. What happened is not on you. And even if you were right about the situation that crushed you, you're dead wrong about it now because you're still remembering, replaying, and reliving in it. That's what you're doing. And he says, remember how far you've fallen. Remember the days that you were more free. Remember the days where you walked in a room and you weren't constantly thinking what other people were thinking about you. Remember when somebody or something, a relationship or season didn't hurt you so bad that you have crippling anxiety doing basic things that 10 years ago you didn't. Remember. Remember when you felt hopeful about your marriage. Remember when you felt hopeful about your kid's future. Remember before you let your kids provoke you, before you let your coworkers provoke you. But remember that. You got it? Remember. Think about it in yourself. Remember. Now, repent. Remember, repent. He says, get back to what you got away from. Repentance, that's what repentance is. It's turning and getting back. It's turning and going a different direction, which in context here, he says, Ephesus, you need to get back to some things if you're going to go deep and find healing. Get back to it. Tell somebody I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Tell somebody like, you, like this isn't an intense message. I know it is. Tell somebody with authority like you're not timid. Say, I'm coming back. Online, you better drop a comment and say, I'm coming back, y'all. Because God is, what God called Ephesus to do and you to do and me to do is reassume the responsibility and the role that God has given you in your life. It's time for you to take your place at the table. Take the position that God has given you in his will. It's time for you to take back some things that you left step by step. He said, remember how far you've fallen. Remember what it used to be. And if you want what I have, you better get back to it. You want healing, get back. Because you're not going to find healing sitting here being hard. Because you can look at your own life if you want to. And if you're less tender than you were two minutes ago, two years ago, ten years ago. If you look at your spouse and you're more annoyed day by day, then you need to, the healing happens here. There's some things you need to come back. You need to get back. You need to get back. I've had to do it many seasons. Of my life. Y'all, we've been through a ton of transition at this church this year. And it was transition that was hard, heartbreaking, and some of the hardest work I've ever been through in my life. Some of the hardest work. What we see today was not the case earlier this year. I honestly had most of the earlier part of this year, everything felt like it was caving in on me. But I had to step by step do the best I could to handle it. And I can tell you, I can tell you that in my heart, this scripture hit me in the heart three months ago, but I was in my heart saying, I got I I I to take some things back. Not talking about in the church, I'm talking about in me. 
I had to, I had to take, I had to start letting some things go that, that, and start being the pastor that God called me to be again. I had, I, I tried, there was, there was times at Catalyst, I mean, we moved over here, we grew so like crazy growth for this area and I started trying to put my hand and do everything and I had to say, God, what I need to do to get back is I need to let go of everything and start focusing on what you called me to do, which is pastor and preach and invest the word of God and, and invest in people. That's my gift. Everything else is secondary. I'm not great at it, but it's what God gave me and I've had to adjust because I got caught up in stress and I'm still trying to come out of some of the effects of it. I had to take my place at the table again in the will of God. I had a, I had a meeting this year, earlier this year with our staff when we kind of were going through transitions and with Emily, our frontline team leader. I don't know if they remember this, but this was a big thing for me. I said, we are going to focus less on the guest experience right now. I said, right now, we need to focus on what God is doing in here on Sundays. If We need to let people out there, get, greeting people, and we need to, our goal, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've never said this, so this is my goal for this church every Sunday, is halfway through the first song, the only people in that, in that lobby are people who were supposed to spend the service there, which is only a few. When you get to this church, the service starts at 11. When you get here, the service starts, you get it, we're worshiping, we are seeking God. And I told them, I said, I've got to commit to us focusing on what God is doing in here. We've got to reaffirm that we are a church of worship. I tell Connor all the time, worship is every bit as important as the message and some Sundays more. I said, we are going to focus online. When somebody's tuned in, we are focusing here. I'm, that front line is important, but thank God we have a friendly, hospitable church because right now we're focusing on shifting people in here. To, 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 to. And I said, I'm committing to preaching, teaching, and I, work, I thought I worked hard on my messages the, last, the first several years. I work two or three times more and harder now because I've committed to teaching the word, teaching the scripture. If I'm going to unteach toxic that is taught, I've got to teach it. And it starts in me. I've got to grow. I had to say, God, I'm coming back. You honored, you've honored four and a half plus years at this church. We got to get back to some things, and I'm taking my place in the will of God again. It starts right here with me. There were moments uh, earlier this year, it, a lot of you probably weren't here. You weren't even a part of Catalyst then, which is a beautiful thing. We love guests. We love adding to the family. There was one Sunday this year, like I couldn't even think straight. Transition is hard in every part of life, not just church. Church is like every other part of life. My head was just spinning. And I remember, I remember I couldn't even think straight. I prepared the message. I didn't even know where I was going. I grabbed my knees. And I remember this is like the defining moment in my heart. I grabbed my knees. I lifted up and I took a deep breath and I said, guys, this is where I am now, but I will not stay here. I'm here now. You will see me grow out of this and we will grow out of this as a church. And I can tell you, I can't tell you how many 2 a.m.s I was up worshiping and praying, God, don't let me come out of this hard. Because transition is hard. Some people don't like it. Some people hate it. In your own life, it's going to be. Anytime you have a transition, there's going to be people that don't benefit from it. There's going to be people that don't agree with you. There's going to be people that come at you and say you're a terrible person. And nothing church isn't any different than anything else. I can't tell you how many 2 a.m.s, 
How many 1 a.m.s? How many I couldn't even sleep? And I was like, the heck with laying in this bed. I'm going to pray because I don't want to ever grow hard because if I do that, I will lose the best parts of Ben Bonner. I am not a suspicious person. I will never be. You may not stand behind me if you hurt me, but I will not hate you. I've seen what bitterness does, and I refuse to go back. And I remember just worshiping and saying, God, God, I remember cleaning the house some nights and thinking, man, the kids, I'm probably waking them up. I'm not graceful with anything, so at 2 in the morning, it's real bad. And I just began to worship and I did that so much. And I'm going to tell you something else I do. I speak the word over my life and over my family's life, over this church family's life, over your family's life. I can honestly attest that you online or you that have never met me and you receive from Catalyst or anything from here, I pray over you and your families. I thought I spoke the word over my life until this year. Because when you speak, when, when you live in a culture like we do now, where everybody's negative, everybody's got something to say, you've got to, even if you don't feel the word of God, even if you don't feel the love of God, you've got to speak it. Because the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue, and, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And I remember, y'all, I have, uh, uh, I just, like when I feel something, I will come, there's been times I've been in this auditorium on the week. I get here most Sundays, every now and then Joel Turner a lot. Joel Turner beats me here. But I'm, he'll tell you I'm walking around here praying over the seats because we want the presence of God. That's what changes things. I remember um, I declare. I don't just make you make declarations. I look like a fool if you saw me by myself making them. <laughs> Courtney Buchanan, she's on a trip. We love you, Buchanan family. She sent me a song. It's got an old school feel two weeks ago. It's called um, For Me and My House by a group called Here Be Lions. I played it on repeat some days over and over. I have spoken over my family, church family, your family. I have spoken. It's, I believe in it. Because sometimes his word is all you got. And when it's all you got, it's all you need. The problem is, is when you are grasping for things that will not satisfy, for control that will never be what you want it to be. You can have all the money, all the success, all the hype, all the respect. Yeah, I'm telling you, I could stand up here and preach to crowds, and if this place tripled in two months and that was what I was doing it for, it will never be enough. Ever. And what happens is we lose ourselves. You lose yourself. Whatever your season, whatever your season, you lose yourself. And before you know it, you aren't even recognizable. The content's the same. You're not the same. And death is your decision. Healing is your decision. And it starts right here. I can't tell you that how, how, how simplified it made it that being you got to grow. Next Sunday, I'm preaching on a message that I've never preached on something I've never preached at this church. And I don't know why. The next Sunday, it'll be a message that is completely catalyst that I've never really put it that way or done it that way. I've decided it happens right here. And the only way for you and your family, your situation, our world to heal is it starts with you. Quit talking about everybody else. Quit trying to shift focus on everybody else's problems. Quit trying to play victim and play bully. Quit. You are not the victim. You are a victor, and it's time for you to choose it, and it's your choice to choose it. But don't blame it on anybody else. Life happens, but you choose what you do with it. Anybody that wants to start. Because I think a lot of people, what we do is we don't know where to start, so we don't do anything. <laughs> My dad used to say it like this. He used to say, a journey of a thousand miles starts with step one. I think a lot of us, we don't even know where to start. I hear that in counseling all the time over the years. Like, oh, where do I, I get it? It makes sense. Where do I start? 
That's where I want to end this message today because I'm going to make it as simple as I can because here's where you start. If you want to remember, if you want to get back to some things you got away from, if you truly want to take God up on healing, if you want to begin to be less hard in a world that is completely hard and everything's heavy, if you want your life to lighten up and you to find healing and move towards his love and actually be changed by it, not just hear me preach about it, not just see memes that everybody likes to post but don't practice, if you want that type of healing, uh, here's, here's where you start. One, focus on what you can control. I put in parentheses what you can control. What you do, how you do it, and why you do it. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. We love talking about trusting the Lord. We love saying, I trust him. We beg God for breakthroughs, man. We pray to God, please, God, please. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Decide good. Choose good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit. Choose everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will help. We're trying to find our help in things that we're trying to control things we can't control. Control what you can control. You know what you can control? Your character. You can control your response because it doesn't matter what anybody does. You choose how you respond. You choose. You get to choose what you're willing to give and take at your job. You get to choose. I mean, you may be like, well, I'll go broke. Well, you know what? It's better go broke than go dead. Go insane. Take it out on your kids every day where they end up hating you because you stayed at a job for a paycheck that honestly, you, you, you're you going to lose a lot more than money. Control. You can control. You can control. I was, I was talking, I talked to people all the time here lately. I think the first time I talked to Bradford a few months back, I said, we don't realize how much we control of our lives. We talk about, I just not in control. You're in control of a lot of things. I read a research article this week that says a person makes about 35,000 decisions a day. 266 of them are on food, which means that's double for me. So don't play. Some of you, some of you jokers out there, and I'm not talking about chubby, some of you skinny people that I don't like because you got good metabolism, you the same way. Well, shit. You know, I make a lot of food, you know. 35,000 decisions. You know, most of those decisions you make, you think they're not big deals, but they are because they come from big mindsets that are in your heart. And every single day you have 35,000 decisions that you choose life or you choose insecurity and death and bitterness and hardness. You choose every day. When you walk in a room, you choose how you feel about it. When you walk in a room, you choose if you're going to live intimidated and and, and hate where you're at or if you're going to under your breath speak, God, I'm going to be obedient. You control more than you think. And it says, trust God and do good. We control our character. We control how we respond when we make a mistake. We control how we respond when we let ourselves get carried away. We choose to apologize. We choose to move forward. You start controlling, what you, start focusing on what you can control. And a big one. Two, don't be controlled by what you can't control. Everybody loves to post this meme, preach this meme, tell their kids about this meme. Are this scripture? Goodness, I'm getting carried away. Proverbs 3, I love it. I love it when I live it more than anything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. It's time for you to quit 
being controlled by what you can't control. Uh, working at Walmart 13 and a half years, the crazy thing is the shoplifters aren't who you usually think. Most of your shoplifters, you'd be mind blown at the people who shoplift regularly because shoplifting typically rarely happens when somebody needs something or they're starving. Typically, it's people that feel out of control and that's the way they grasp for control. Can't control your kids, can't control your situation, can't control the weight of your depression, can't control your spouse, can't control life. And instead of drugs or instead of flipping out on everybody or you do all the above and you go and you try to steal something. Because if I can't control anything, I can at least control this little. And it's crazy seeing people still an ugly pair of socks. Don't judge them. Shoplifting may not be your thing, but you do something. It doesn't matter. You may lash out. Or you shut down and don't say a thing. That's a grasp for control. Whether you're pitiful or whether you're pathetic and bitter. Whether you're aggressive or whether you're very passive aggressive. It's all trying to control because you feel out of control. People cope by trying to be confident. They try to be the the personality, the biggest personality in the room. Or they don't say a thing and they're reserved and they want everybody to read their minds. And nobody loves me because they don't know what I need. But they ain't said a daggum thing. It's control. We try to control what we can't control. We don't trust God. We try to take control of things. Stop trying to control what you can't control. You want to get back. You want to fast track. And I don't mean fast like speed. I mean, you want God to close gaps in your life that you need closed. You need to focus on what you can control. And you need to quit trying to control what you can. And I added the last point this week. Be at peace. And I added this because a baby girl, she don't know this. She don't like this. She right now is like, oh, anxiety. Last Sunday was just a crazy awesome day. You know, our oldest son, we got, well, number one, Connor's not the first that gets mentioned. Charlotte got dedicated, our granddaughter, because she is front row now. Beautiful thing back there, being all quiet until I hold her on Monday. Then I have to give her back because she, until she gets old enough for me to feed her, she ain't gonna like me that much. Plus, I tick, you know, it's all crazy. You talk about moving and stuff, and they're like, oh, somebody that doesn't move. Dedicated Charlotte. Connor preached his first sermon, seeing him grow in the word. I mean, just, I get the, I'm living the dream on the worst day. Our kids serve together. We do, we do ministry. Angie and I get lunch breaks. We're going crazy working here. We get lunch breaks now in the tech room. Just 15 minutes with a Subway sandwich makes my day better. Subway's really awesome. Half the price and good. Last week was wonderful. Overwhelming. Went home. I was tired, but it was good tired. It wasn't like empty itself. I got to sit there and watch Connor invest the word. And we got to dedicate such a wonderful day, but it was empty. And we go home at lunch. Like every lunch plan did not go the way I saw it. And I go in and I get there. And it's like two. And we had a lot of family come in from out of town. And they were eating lunch. And, and everybody was hungry. It's two o'clock. You know, most people hangry by that point. They're like, what? Why do we even come? And I start, like, I'm, I, like I see Will, Sarah, baby girl, that's Sarah, and Angie just rushing, trying to make enough food. And I'm like, I go in, I say, what is happening, y'all? This is not the plan. Because I'm, I'm, you know, borderline you know, ass burgers type thing I'm like hey this is what I'm, I'm stressing out I'm tired what's going on y'all and uh, I said what can I do 
And I didn't scream it like that, but it was loud enough that other people could hear it. And baby girl looks at me and she says, Pops, you can be at peace. Took a page out of my book. Going to, going to graduate school to counsel. Will, fiance back there serving, Will the Wonderful looks at me and goes, Hey, it's a good day and it's still a good day. And I was like, I'm adding that one. Paul says this in Philippians 4. He's in, a, he's in a jail cell and they're petty in Philippi. He's writing this because they're having disputes and conflict. And Paul says this from a jail cell. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice what all you learned and received from me. He told the church of Corinth, he said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Look at me. He said, then the God of peace will be with you. In a jail cell, he was towards the end of his life when he wrote that. Be at peace. Be at peace. History. I looked up history. I love church history. I hadn't gotten to do it in a while because seminary has been over for a long time now. A second century church writer writes about Ephesus and we know now that they made the decision to obey Jesus. They got back to their first love. His name is Ignatius. He was a second century church history so it wasn't that far removed from the New Testament church. And Ignatius says this, you who were the most holy church of the Ephesians, Jesus wrote to in Paul Planet, which is so famous and celebrated throughout the world. You being full of the Holy Spirit do nothing according to the flesh, but all things according to the Spirit. You, Ephesus, are complete in Christ Jesus. Ephesus chose to get back to what they got away from. They took the challenge from Jesus and step by step, they got back to some things that they had lost and God blew their mind. And we're still reading about and learning from the, the letter to the Ephesians because God moved in that place. And God will move in your heart. But it is your decision. You decide if you're going to stay in default. You decide if you're going to be bitter and try to prove your point to people. You decide if you're going to stay the plate and stay where you are. You decide what you carry into the next season. And Jesus says you've lost, you've left your first love. And it's time to love me and love other people one step at a time like you once did. And if you don't, I'm going to take. Because you're not trustworthy. Why would he give you blessings that you're going to waste? Why would he give you money that you're going to waste? Why would he give you kids that are such a blessing that you continue to beat down because you're beating down yourself? Why would he give you a spouse that is right in front of you? Everything you could want, they are your balance and you don't even see it. Why would you, why would he bless you with that? You get to choose your death. You get to choose in this season. Doesn't matter if the world changes. Doesn't matter we are like, all oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. What about your heart? Because that's what matters. Work out your own salvation in the fear and truth. Will you bow your heads with me? It's time to let some things go. It's time to get back to some things that you got away from. It's time to start loving and not being so cautious because the cynicism and the skepticism and the pessimism that you're living in is crippling the love of God in your life. 
How in the world can you receive something from a God when you are living your life and, and functioning like that? And it is time for you to let some things go. It's time for you to remember and repent. It's time for you to get back to some priorities that you got away from. It's time. It's time. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.